So I'm not sure how many of you guys actually know this, but this semester and last semester, well, it's kind of actually last semester, this semester, I don't know what semester it is, but for this entire year, I have been student teaching at Grand Junction High School. How many of you guys go to Grand Junction? Yes, there's a few of you. You might have seen me around. I'm not stalking you. Um, I'm actually there as a student teacher. So just so you know, I'm not like trying to follow you around or anything. There's been a couple of times where I've seen you guys and you are very confused. Um, so it's okay. I have a reason for being there. Um, but when I first got placed at Junction, I was a little bit um, kind of scared because I actually went to high school um, at Fruita Monument High School. Yes, um, I spent all four years of my high school there, and as you guys probably are aware, there's a tiny bit of a rivalry between the two schools. Actually, it's very big, um, and it's actually all-encompassing your entire high school experience. And so, when I found out I was going to Junction, I was like, <laughs> Okay, <laughs> send me, Lord, into the enemy's battlegrounds, right? Like you're feeding me to the sharks or the tigers in this case. Um, and so I was really kind of scared at first and then I showed up my first day and I knew or I felt like everybody knew that I was from Fruita and that I was an imposter. Um, but that wasn't actually true. I was just being very paranoid. And so over the last few months, I've slowly begun um, to open my heart to Grand Junction and I've slowly began um, to love it just as I once did Fruita Monument because both schools are pretty awesome in their own ways. They each um, have their little quirks. So when I went to Fruita Monument, I noticed um, that there was always the smell of chicken poop in the air. Or maybe it was, you know, some other livestock creature. I'm not exactly an expert on the subject, but you could always smell just a hint of feces. And so that was, that was a cork that Fruita Monument had, you know, agriculture, whatever, it's great. Um, and then, you know, Junction has its own corks because it's disintegrating before your eyes and asbestos and things like that, so that's awesome. One thing, kind of insider information on Grand Junction High School that I have noticed also, it's really interesting because when everybody leaves to go to lunch, I also go. And what's really funny is where Junction is on North Avenue is sometimes a little bit sketchy. And so I'll drive and I'll notice high schoolers intermingling with hobos. And I think, well, that's sketchy. Or maybe it's good culture. I'm not sure. Um, and so that's another little quirk that each school has. But I've grown to love each of them equally, except I still don't know if I am a tiger or if I am a wildcat. I also don't know what a wildcat is. Can somebody tell me, is that a real species? Because I'm very confused. But I constantly, I'm like this entire semester, I'm like, I go to the football games, I go to the, the basketball games, and I'm like, I don't really know which team to root for. I'd like both of them to win. If that's possible, that'd be cool. I just don't know if I am a tiger or if I am a wildcat. And so this may seem dramatic and a bit silly, but I am both of those things, so um, it probably is. But sometimes, Sometimes it is hard to know or remember who you are when you move to a new place. And I found that as I've moved on to different schools in different places throughout my life, and you guys might have too. Maybe you've moved from different states, maybe you've moved from different schools up from middle school to high school, and you kind of find yourself in a brand new environment with brand new people that surround you, and you might be wondering, who am I? 
What am I doing here? And what are my choices going to be in this new school? And so you guys might have experienced something as well where this new environment just brings on all of these questions about who you are and what you were meant to be. And so um, I have spent a lot of time around you high schoolers. I see you guys every single Tuesday night here. I see you guys all the time when I'm student teaching at Junction. And um, thank God you haven't given me the norovirus yet. Um, that's cool, thanks for that. Um, but what I found is that I really love you guys. Um, I feel very called um, by God to um, just be with you guys. I feel like what could be more important than working with the next generation. And so I want you guys to know one, how much I love you and two, how much you guys are just, like you guys are so awesome. And I know that a lot of times you guys get uh, looked down on oftentimes by older generations, but what I see you guys struggle with on a daily basis is so incredible and it's so much more than I've ever gone through. And so I just want you guys to know that, that I see your struggles. And one of the biggest things that I see every high schooler struggle with, no matter what walk of life, no matter where they come from, is just figuring out who you are. Because in middle school, you don't really have to make very many big decisions. You basically just have to keep yourself alive and hold in all of your bodily fluids. That's like the main goal as a middle schooler, the snot and things like that. They're gross. Um, and so then when you get up into high school, you start having to make these real life decisions that actually affect your future and who you're going to be. And that is so scary. And that is so stressful, especially when you are surrounded by different influences that are pulling you this way and that, like your best friends say one thing and then your parents say something that is completely different. And then your boyfriend says one thing and your sister says something else. And then you open up the Bible and it says something so entirely different from what the world says. And you find yourself getting pushed and pulled in all of these di different directions and having no idea what is actually true and what is actually right. And so you wonder, what choice do I make? What direction do I go in? What if I don't like the person that I am becoming? Well, the way I see it is that in life, we're faced with all of these different options. And there's really two paths that you can choose to take. You can choose to take your own path where you make your own decisions, your own choices, or you choose to take the path where you are aligning your choices with God. And of course, the Bible is in favor of one of those paths. It says in Jeremiah 10, 23, Lord, I know that people's lives are not their own. It is not for them to direct their steps. So this verse is saying our lives aren't ours because we're supposed to be aligning our lives and our choices with God. But oftentimes that's not really what we do. We choose to fight and carve out our own path and create our own destinies. And this is something um, that I definitely did in high school. And this is something that sometimes I still struggle with doing because um, one of the weaknesses of my personality, which I don't have many, no, I'm just kidding, um, is that I like to control things. Any control freaks in here, it's okay. You're in the house of the Lord, okay? He will help you. And he's trying to help me, but again, I control things, and so I don't want him to help me, but he keeps helping me, and it's annoying, but it's also good. Um, and so I have this really bad personality trait where I wanna control every single little thing. And with control comes kind of a lack of just... I guess trust with everybody else. You really only want to trust yourself. You don't want to allow anyone else to have any influence or any choice making within your own life. And so 
I knew that I wanted to control my own life. I didn't want to take the path of aligning my choices with God because I wanted to control every single little thing. And I didn't really trust God, to be honest. I didn't really think that he really had my best interest in mind. I thought that if I aligned my choices with God and his plans, that my life would end up being really boring and that I would have a boring life and a boring job and a boring husband and I'd pop out babies that I didn't really want and all of these things. And so I was really afraid to align my life with what God wanted. But of course, this was a lie from the enemy. It says in Jeremiah 29, 11, I'm sure you guys have all heard this verse a million times. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. See, God's plans for you are so much better than anything that you could ever dream. All of us have our hopes and our dreams and what we want to do with our life, but what God has in store for you is so much better than even our wildest dreams. And God knows you better than you even know yourself. And so he's not going to give you a life that's boring. He's not going to give you a life that you, are, that you hate. He's going to give you a life that is prosperous and wonderful. But of course, I didn't want to believe this because I wanted to control my own life and my own destiny. And so when I got into my freshman year, I discovered um, boys um, and I discovered that I liked them. And so, because <laughs> in middle school, I just, I, I don't know, I tuned out for a while. I was in the whole Twilight thing and uh, it, was a dark, it was a dark era. Um, but then I emerged into high school, a beautiful butterfly with braces. And I decided that I liked boys. Um, and so that was great, except, you know, my parents didn't want me to date um, because they saw it as a way to get hurt and to lose your virginity and things like that. And so I wasn't allowed to date. But I saw this boy, you guys, and I really liked him. He was cute and he was nice and he was actually a really good guy. And so I decided, well, I want to control my own life. I want to make my own choices. And so I am going to date the boy and I'm not going to tell anyone about it. My parents aren't going to know. I'm only going to tell my closest, closest friends. And so I began to date the boy. And what ended up happening was I was deceiving every single person that was important to me around me. And so I was creating lie after lie, so many lies that I couldn't even keep track of them about where I was, who I was texting. I changed his name and my phone. I'm not giving you tips, I'm just telling you what I did, okay? And so I was trying to deceive my parents in every way so that they did not find out that I was dating, or dating this boy. I was living this double life. And so you may ask me, well, did you love him? And I'll say with absolute certainty, yes. I was very in love with this boy. And if anybody ever tells you that as a high schooler, you are incapable of loving someone, that is absolutely untrue. You are more than capable of loving someone. And so yes, I was absolutely love this boy. And so then I noticed though, that along with this love, I was also deeply depressed because I was deceiving everyone around me like I talked about. And so I had this awesome, awesome guy, but I also had these lies and this deceit that was constantly making me feel guilty and hurting my relationship with the people around me. And so you may be asking, well, what happened to this boy? Did you, did you guys work out? Well, plot twist, we actually did. I married him. Um, we are currently married, <laughs> plot twist. Um, <laughs> uh, it's okay. Jail's having a heart attack. I'm going to get there. It's okay. Um, but... Uh, we have two awesome um, baby dogs together and a cat thing. So, you know, that's, 
that's great. And so, yes, we are, we are still madly in love. We are still together. Um, but the truth is, even though it worked out, it didn't make what I did right. It doesn't mean that God was okay with me deceiving my parents this entire time. In fact, it means that I took the man that he wanted me to marry and I completely manipulated the situation, made my life miserable, made his life miserable, disappointed my parents, did all of these things just so that I could have him in my own timing. And it wasn't God's time. At that point in my life, I wasn't ready to have a boyfriend. My parents did not, they were very wise and they knew I wasn't ready. But instead of listening to God, instead of following his path. I took it into my own hands. I took my will and my control, and I made sure that I dated the guy. And while we worked out, it wasn't the best thing for me. The timing was not the best thing for me because I hurt myself and others around me, and I noticed that my life was really, really hard, and way harder than it would have been if I had just allowed God to um, be in control of my life. And so God wanted to give me this husband all along, but he wanted to do it in his timing, which I guarantee did not involve deceit, guilt, and shame. And so by the time I got into my junior year, I was completely exhausted. And I was at a crossroads in my life where I realized I am unhappy, I am depressed, and I don't like the person that I am. And so I knew that I could continue to go down this path of being this awful person who lied to everybody, who manipulated everybody, who didn't trust anyone, or I could say, enough. Enough controlling every single little thing. Enough not trusting. Instead, I can choose to turn my life around and make myself into a person that I can be proud of, that my parents can be proud of. But the first thing that I needed to do was surrender. Because at that point, I realized that I was in a battle. I was in a battle with my own flesh, with my own temptations. I was in a battle with the world and what it was tempting me to do. I was in a battle with the enemy who was always trying to hurt me. And I was also in a battle against my God. When I was supposed to be on this side along with him, him protecting me, him fighting me, I was on the other side of the battlefield fighting against him. And I knew that instead of doing that, which was so stupid and so careless and reckless, I needed to get back on the right side. I needed to wave my white surrender flag and I needed to get back in alignment with what God wanted in my life because when I was controlling it, it was an absolute crap show. Nothing was going right. I wasn't happy. Nothing was working out because that's what happens when you make your own choices. It doesn't really work out fairly well, no matter how badly we may try. It says in Proverbs 28, 26, those who trust in themselves are fools, but those who walk in wisdom are kept safe. I was a fool. I was a fool that was only trusting myself and I refused to accept God's wisdom that would keep me safe. And so I knew that it was time to surrender. And so I remember I got down on my knees and I wept and I wept and I wept. I thought about the people that I disappointed, the people that I had hurt and lied to. I wept for who I had become and what my life looked like. And then I decided that it was enough that it was time to surrender those awful, disgusting parts inside of me that were ruining my life. And so I said, God, I surrender my pride to you. 
I surrender my control to you. I surrender my shame and my guilt and I lay it all at your feet because I cannot let it weigh me down any longer. And then I realized that I needed to surrender one more thing. And that was my future. I needed to say, God, I surrender every single part of me, every single thing that I've ever wanted in my life, every single thing that I've ever tried to control myself. I need to hand that all over to you because I can't do this anymore. And so I said, God, I surrender to you my future. I surrender to you every single part of me. And I say, your will be done in my life and not my own. And when I got up from my knees, I just felt like an absolute weight had been lifted off my chest because I knew that I didn't have to live that life that I hated any longer. I had surrendered every single part of me. And in that moment, I felt so light because every single once in a while, I still struggle with this. I still struggle controlling. I still struggle with not trusting people. And when that moment arises, I try and I take control back. But then I'm reminded, nope, I need to surrender it to him because my God is a way maker. My God is the miracle worker. He is the light in the darkness, not me. I can't do this any longer. And I don't know what you guys are going through. I don't know what you're facing, but I'm absolutely positive that each of us has struggled with choices on where we're gonna go and who we wanna align our life with. And so I ask right now if you would be willing to take the steps that I did and surrender those ugly, gross parts of you to God and ask him to take control of your life. If you're willing to do so, if you're comfortable, I wanna ask you guys to go ahead and stand up if you could. We're gonna get some music on in the background. And I just want you guys to kind of get in a space where you can just be alone. So maybe just away from your friends. You can come up here, you can go around in the back just somewhere where you can be alone. I'll give you guys a couple of seconds to do that. So many of you guys have come in here struggling. You're struggling with fear of the future or just a dislike for yourself and the person that you have become. And so what I feel like God is leading us to do right now is to surrender that all. So I want you guys to bow down on your knees if you can and just get in a position of prayer where you can hear Him and listen to Him without being distracted by the people around you. So first thing we, that we need to do tonight is we need to make sure that we trust God. And I know that this is hard because there have been so many people in your life that have failed you or things just didn't work out, but you need to know that you can always trust God. It says in Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding and all your ways submit to Him and your paths will be straight. You guys, he is your defender and your protector and he has wonderful plans for his sons and daughters and he will never fail you. And so what I want you guys to say in your own words to him right now in your own mind, is just tell him that you trust him and tell him to help you with your own belief. Even though you do believe, ask him to help you when you don't. Just tell him how much you love him and trust him.
Now that you've done that, it's time to surrender the yuck in your life. Maybe it's pride, jealousy, anger, control, depression, insecurity, lack of faith, lust, control. Whatever it is, I want you to picture right now that you have all of it in your hands and you're bowing down before the feet of the Lord and you are handing it all over to Him. Imagine putting it before His feet and taking that weight off of you and say to Him, God, I surrender. I surrender whatever it is that I've been going through. I surrender whatever it is that I'm struggling with and I lay it at your feet. forgiveness. Say, God, I'm sorry for always wanting to control everything. I'm sorry for my lustful thoughts. I'm sorry for when I fall short. your greatest downfalls. What he wants is you. He wants you to be the full, wonderful person that he created to be. And he wants you to live out the purpose that he created for you. He wants you to live out a wonderful and a purposeful life. So what I feel like he wants you to do right now is surrender yourself over to Him. Surrender your future, surrender your dreams, surrender your own will and say, not my will, but yours. Because I can trust you because everything that you have in store for me is so much more than I could ever ask for. So take a second to do that as well. like you've been battling against God, just know you're not alone. We all fall short. We all try and take control. We all try and do the best that we can, but it's enough. So now I want you to picture yourself walking from the opposing battlefield back to Him, back to His protection to his way, back to his path. He wants you to know that he loves you, that he's so proud of you. And even though you fall short, he forgives you and he has already forgotten all of those things. He will never fail you. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for your presence tonight. Thank you for showing up in this room week after week and changing our lives. I just ask that you be the leader of our lives tonight, Lord, that each of these students just leaves this room just feeling empowered and ready to follow in your ways and submit your will, their will to you at every single point in their life. I ask that your will be done in each of these students and that they become the strong and the beautiful and the wonderful children of God that you have made them to be. 
I pray against the enemy's lies and his attacks, and I pray that no longer will he be able to lie to these students of yours, God. Protect them, nurture them, and bring them up to be the person that you made them to be. We love you and we thank you, Lord, for your presence and your power, and it is in your mighty name that we pray. Amen. Thank you guys so much for participating tonight. I think that um, the Lord really moved in this place and I hope that you feel a change in who you are and who you're meant to be. And so now we'll go ahead and release you guys to small groups. And so if you guys have a small group, great. If not, you guys are welcome to hang out. We'd love to talk and pray with you. Have an awesome week. Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center Podcast. For more information on what's happening at 4640, you can check us out on social media and at our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Hope to see you there.